Well, hello, North Point. Uh, thanks, Emma, for those updates. Man, I'm excited to be with you today. Like Emma said, my name's Colin Crane, the high school pastor here at North Point. I know you're used to seeing, uh, at least the last few weeks, some guys up here without hair, and today's a little bit different, but that's okay. You know, change is good sometimes. Hopefully today, that's all right. And, uh, you know, we're at the end of this year. 2020 is almost over, which is wild and crazy. I mean, uh, it's, it's wild that it's almost over. It kind of feels like it's been forever, but it also kind of feels like it's only been like a week. It, it's been weird, and it's crazy, and it's wild. But as we dive in today at the end of this year, what we want to do is we want to simply answer two questions. Uh, We want to answer what have we learned and and what do we need to do going forward? And so Pastor Shane's going to come out in just uh, a little bit uh, to talk to us about what we can do going forward. Uh, But first, I'd love to just talk about what we've learned and really what we need to remember as we look back on this year. Because remembering is important. When we forget, we miss out. And and really, when we forget, we can't move forward with success. I mean, I think about, like, maybe you're like me, and you have a specific place where you like to put your keys, right? You come home, you put your keys on the counter, you're about to leave, and then you you find them in that same spot. And so um, that's what you do routinely. You do that regularly. Uh, But then you have that dreaded day uh, where you're about to walk out the door. Things are great. You're on time everything's good and you look in that spot and nothing's there you can't find your keys and you're freaking out you're wondering where they're at now you're scrambling searching 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 everywhere now you're cranky with people now you're late I mean you're you're yelling at people maybe whatever it is maybe you're asking your wife to search in her bottomless pit of a purse or maybe that's just me but whatever it is you're looking everywhere and then you take a second right and pause and you feel around your pockets only to realize They've been in your pocket this entire time, right? It's the worst. It's awful. And we forget that they've been in our pocket and we can't move forward. I mean, whatever the situation is for you, we could go through multiple different situations. The reality is we we all have a problem with forgetting things. And what's worse than that is that we often forget how our God has been faithful. See, maybe some of you, you can remember, like, like you can quote movies to me, you can quote TV shows, you can remember all those things, or, or, or maybe some of you, you've been bumping the new T-Swift album, right? I know some of you, you can sing the whole Taylor Swift songs without uh, even hearing the music, but, but we forget the life-changing word of God. And see, maybe some of you, you can remember uh, all the ways that someone has wronged you in the past, but we're quick to forget all the ways that our God has been good. And maybe some of you can remember all the football stats and the players and who's in the playoffs. I mean, it's irrelevant anyways because the Niners are out of it, but but you can remember all of those things, but we're quick to forget the track record of our God keeping his promises. And and see, before we do anything going into a, a new year, we need to be careful not to forget what we've learned. Because when you forget, you'll have a hard time moving forward. And so uh, this is actually something we see in scriptures. We see this in the Old Testament. If we look back and we go back in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is why I'd love for us to just dive into today, uh, we'd find that God's people on the edge of the promised land, literally standing, looking over on the other side of this land that God had promised them. And they've been waiting and wandering for this moment right here. 
The land looked great. They had sent people to see it. I mean, this was the moment they've been waiting for. But we find in this book is that at the beginning, we see them and they're stuck and they're afraid. And we dive into why. And the reality is that they've forgotten the God that's led them. And their forgetfulness leads to paralyzing fear. And because they forget, it didn't matter how great the land looked in front of them. They were afraid to go forward. And see, until you remember how good our God is, who our God is, and what he's done, you'll have a hard time moving forward. And so what Moses does through the whole book of Deuteronomy is he repeats, it's a repeating theme throughout the book uh, that they need to remember. Remember that it's God leading you. Remember that he's gone before you. And in fact, we see in chapter four, we see this uh, repeated. It says this, it says, but watch out, be careful not to forget uh, what you have seen. He says, don't let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. I mean, it's like Moses is putting a warning sign in their path. Like all they have to do is cross the river. But before you do, I mean, we should have got like a giant sign or something. Uh, But he put a warning sign in their path that said, it it didn't say like, beware of snakes, beware of the current, beware of crocodiles. No, no, no. It was be careful not to forget. And this is the reminder that he's given them. And then we go over to chapter six and we see uh, that he gives them a reminder of that they need to walk in obedience. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And this was called the Shema. It's what Jewish people would would repeat over and over and over again to remember, to help them remember. They, They would pray this every morning and every evening. And we see that Moses gives them that command. If you keep reading, he says, commit yourselves to these things. Repeat these things. Talk about them. Tie them on your hands. Write them on your doorposts. He's saying, wherever you go, whatever you do, just remember. See, the the truth is, is that moving into new things can be difficult. It can be hard. Transition can be hard. But but we see that that one of the things, one of the tools that God has given us to move forward is our memory and to remember. And, And guys, we're on the edge of something new. We're about to walk into a new year and we're about to walk away from what's been a pretty difficult and crazy wild year. And before we go forward into another one, it's important that we look back and see God's faithfulness. And some of you might be saying, well, how could I do that? This has been a crazy year. I'd rather just forget it. But we need to look back and see the ways that God has been faithful, even if you didn't see it in the moment. And so what I'd love to do today is just uh, to look through Moses's reminders in Deuteronomy to see that these are things we can remember today. I've got three things that I just wanna remind you of, uh, uh, and we're gonna do that today. Here's the first one. Remember uh, that God has always been in control. Remember that God has always been in control. See, if there's anything we've learned this year, and if there's anything we can agree that we've learned, it's that we are not in control. And life can be out of control, right? I mean, all the plans, all the things you thought that was gonna happen this year didn't work out maybe the way you thought. But even when life is out of control, God has always been in control. As we read through Deuteronomy, we see Moses remind them of this. He reminds them of his power and his provision. He says this in chapter eight. He says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. And he's saying, as you go forward, don't forget that it's God that's brought you success. It's not you. 
and that God's the one that's gone before you. He's the one that's giving you the power to be successful. He's been leading you every step of the way. He's led you to this moment of promise and he'll continue to lead you as you go forward. And even when things are out of control, even when things didn't make sense, even when success wasn't what they expected it to be, God was in control. And guys, we could sit here at the end of the year and we could like easily, no problem, sit here and complain about all the things that didn't go the way we wanted or the way we thought they would. And we could feel stuck in fear and complaint, just like the Israelites unable to move forward. Or, or we could choose to see the ways that God provided grace every step of the way. That literally we wouldn't even be here today if it weren't for God's grace. And we may not always have the power to control, but we always have the ability to surrender. And when we do, when we surrender our way, we can finally see that God has provided. See, I I talked to uh, Kat McVeigh about this. She's a great friend. She has a great perspective on this. So cool. I talked to her because this year has hit her by surprise for sure. Uh, She had some experiences that were out of control and lots of uncertainty. And so she sent me this email that I'd love to just read parts of it to you. And, And here's what she said. She said, in September of 2019, I felt God leading me to leave my place in town and move back to my parents' home in Prather. She said, I wrestled with it, but I decided to make the move. She said, I made plans for how I'd tackle the new year, but had no idea what 2020 would bring or how it would progress and how many of us can relate to that. She says, little did I know uh, that in, sh- in a few short months, we, we would, uh, the world would be hit with a pandemic. We'd have to shelter in place. And then she says, as the year progressed, my father would be diagnosed with two forms of cancer, uh, which would include surgeries and treatments. She says, my mother and I would have our own health challenges. And, uh, and then she says that her, their home was threatened by the devastating creek fire. They had to pack everything up and tempor- temporarily move their animals. And they had to live with uh, her brother for two weeks. And, and I mean, talk about uncertainty and just hitting, getting hit with surprise, right? But she says this, I love this. She says, 2020 has been a difficult year for so many of us. And it certainly didn't turn out the way we planned. But she says, the Bible says that man makes his plans, but God determines his steps. She says, this year I had plans to accomplish a lot of things, but but God had other plans. He had plans to grow me, to stretch me, strengthen my faith, to teach me to rely on him, to open my hands and to give uh, give him my fear, my plans. And she says, my trust, knowing that he's in control, whatever the outcome. And in turn, she got to see that he provided in so many ways. And here's how he provided. She says, he provided tangible ways uh, with needs from the fire, people who stepped in, helping them out. He provided a home. He provided encouragement and prayers with the church family. She said he provided uh, great medical professionals who guided them through surgeries and treatments. Uh, And she says, if you ask my parents, they would also say he provided some of their needs by having her close by to help out. And then she says this, but what he provided that I'm most grateful for, she says, is his presence and his peace. She says, on the scariest and most uncertain of days, we had unexplainable peace that he gave us the strength to keep going and to trust that he was in control. Isn't that so cool to see? Uh, See, when things are out of control and they don't make sense and are uncertain, we can shift our perspective and choose to surrender our ways to see that God's leading every step of the way. And so what is it for you? Man, maybe you lost your job this year and I'm sorry, but can I just remind you 
that God's purposes are unchanging regardless of where you work. And maybe, I mean, we saw that, that there were moments where people didn't get to celebrate the way we wanted, but, but can I just say how cool it was to see that God gave us new and innovative ways to celebrate people with parades and Zoom parties and awesome games online and, and ways that we're even communicating right now. How incredible is that? See, things may not always go the way we plan or expect, but God's always in control. And for us, in order to move forward in 2021, we have to stop playing the victim of 2020. Instead, we gotta rest in the provision of Jesus. And Kat mentioned Proverbs 16. She said, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And it's such great news that he does because honestly, my plans never work out the way I think they will, right? And we've learned that this year. And so as we go forward into a new year, we need to be careful to remember that we are not in control, but God always is. Here's the second thing. We, we need to remember that God's ways have always been better than mine. God's ways have always been better than mine. You know, I have a, a dog at home. I've talked to him about him a little bit. Uh, I take him hunting, but when we were training him to hunt, one of the things that we trained him to do uh, was to sit and stay in his place until uh, he was sent forward to go and retrieve. And so his job was to stay there and then I could say his name, Cooper, and then he could go forward and retrieve. And that, that's what he tried to learn to do. But uh, there were times where he would be stubborn, where he wouldn't listen. And sometimes he would just go forward and run and take off. Uh, or if he did, I mean, this was especially when we were training him. If, we, uh, if, if it wasn't that, he would sit there and he would be anxious. He'd like pace in a circle or he'd whine or he'd like not, couldn't sit still. And really he couldn't feel like he couldn't do his job. Like he was stuck, couldn't do what he's been training for. But, but listen, in those moments where he's felt anxious or, or where he just blatantly didn't listen, see, he didn't realize that, that I still have a purpose for him right there in the waiting. I still have a purpose for him right there in that moment. And his job is to listen and stay where he, where he is. And if he doesn't, it, he could get hurt. And even though he didn't understand why, he has to trust that, that what I'm saying to do is what's best for him. And guys, we may not understand. When we're confused or stuck or anxious, even when things don't go our way, we need to trust that God's way has always been better than ours. As we continue to read through Deuteronomy, we, we see, we get to chapter 30. Moses continues to remind them through the book. And we see in chapter 30, he, he shows them this very thing. He, get, he says that you have a decision to make. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. And I love this. Here's what he says. Therefore, choose life. It's like Moses is saying, this isn't that hard. Like every decision that you make, therefore choose life. He says that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and your length of days. This is one of my favorite verses because every decision that we make every day, we, we make countless decisions before we even get out of bed. And every decision that we make, choose life. Why is God's way better than mine? Because it leads to life. 
You know, I, I think back to this last year, right? And one of the things that was disrupted for a lot of us was wedding plans, things, weddings being planned, right? Maybe some of you experienced that directly, but my brother Kyle and his wife Emily, they, they had experienced this. They, they had a wedding plan for last summer and, and that was obviously completely disrupted. They, they couldn't do it like they planned or wanted, but they ended up having to have a small wedding. You can see the picture on the screen of our you know, wild, crazy family. I mean, we're already breaking the rules with just that little family because we're big and you can see Kyle's like Irish... Uh, Scottish maybe, Tux, I don't know, it was cool. But uh, anyway, man, that was a great day of celebrating them. Honestly, it, it was incredible to just celebrate them. And it wasn't what they planned, uh, but the thing that kept being said that, that day, I just look back and think back to it, uh, was that it just fit these two. It, it was just like their personality. It, it was who they were, it, it fit them. And I talked to them last week or a couple weeks ago and they, they just com- they, uh, completely agreed. And said it wasn't what they planned or what they thought it was going to be. But, but it was so cool to see how God made a way that was almost better. It was a great day of celebration. And what a cool picture. I, just, I love thinking back to this because what a cool picture of how God brings life out of the unexpected. That God brought family and new life together despite disruption. And this is what Moses is reminding the people of, that God's way brings life. And so for you, what disruption have you faced that God might be inviting you to experience life in him in the middle of it? What do you need to give up in order to trust that God's way is better? Maybe it means laying down your own insecurities to point someone to hope in the person of Jesus. And maybe it's putting aside what feels most comfortable for you so that you can care for someone else. Or maybe it means sacrificing your own desires and your own freedoms for the safety of other people. Man, what is it for you? Whatever the case is, that we often have to give up our desires to walk in God's. And scripture challenges us that, that our ways are not God's ways. Proverbs says it this way. It says, there's a, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. And it's what Moses is reminding God's people of, right? Choose life. Choose to walk in life. It's the decision that we need to make every single day. God's ways have always been better than mine. Here, here's the last one uh, that is so, so important to remember. It's that God has never left me alone. God has never left me alone. And so Moses spends this whole time through the book of Deuteronomy. You can go back and look through it and read it. And I would encourage you to do that. He reminds them of the law. He reminds them of God's provision. God literally walked with them through the desert with a pillar of cloud, and a pillar of fire. He gave them manna. He gave them quail. I mean, God provided and literally never left his people alone. And we see Moses reminding them of this all throughout the book. And then we get to the end of the book and we see that Moses can't go forward with them into the promised land. Land And instead, Joshua is going to be leading the people forward. And now he takes a moment, an important moment, uh, to turn straight to Joshua and give him a really important reminder. He says this in Deuteronomy 31. He says, Moses summoned Joshua and, and in the sight of all Israel, he said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. You shall possess, put them in possession of it. He says, It is the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And so Moses reminds Joshua as he steps into leadership, 
And he reminds the people standing in the background listening, he he reminds the people that, listen, as you step forward, you need to remember that God is always with you. When we're overwhelmed with fear, we can remember that God is close. I mean, guys, we just look back to this year. This has been a year of social distancing, right? We've had to socially distance from people. And, and, and while that's great for stopping the virus and, and, and that's encouraged, we know that the distancing ourselves from people comes with consequences to our mental health. I mean, it's caused some of us to maybe feel afraid and alone and anxious and just stuck even more than in years past. I mean, uh, I just did some, uh, looked online this, this week, Barna Group, they, they did a research uh, study that showed uh, how prevalent these things have been in, in the past. They, they, they found this, that almost half, half of United States 18 to 35 year olds have said that they have anxiety uh, or or that they were afraid to fail. They said that they saw about three out of 10 people often feel depressed and sad and about the same uh, feel lonely and isolated from other people. Now, these numbers that I've given you, these are before the pandemic. These are before COVID. These are pre-COVID numbers. And so you can imagine that these things have only gone up and gotten way worse. I mean, how sad is that? And so I'm sure that, that some of you personally or maybe someone you know has experienced facing these things. You know what this is like firsthand. And, and you know, I, we asked one of our uh, high school students um, th- this about this this week and uh, her name's Kennedy Hulk. She said I could share a little bit of her story with you because she's faced some of these exact things in this year. And so she sent this, this text message about uh, her story and, and uh, she talks about how she struggled with identity in Christ and friends and she dealt with anxiety and fear. She says, I feel like anxiety has taken over a big part of my life and has ruined a lot of things for me. But then she says, but I always try to focus on what God has provided for me instead. And, and then she says, she says, something I always tell myself is that God is good even when life is not. And then she put in all caps, like she spelled out the word period. God is good even when life is not. And she says, uh, what was, help, was helpful is learning to walk with Jesus every single day and, and, and waiting to see what he has next. And she says, I can't wait. Uh, what, a, what a cool thing. She says, God is walking with me and I can't wait to see what he has next. She talks about, I found peace in worship music and, and sitting and surrender in worship. And, and then she shared a, an encouragement for those facing anxiety and these things. She says, I, I know it's not easy, but I just want people to know that if you're hurting, it's okay to tell someone. She says, it was an amazing and refreshing thing when she reached out and to have people pray over her as she opened up to know that people were on her side and her small group has been so helpful. Man, I I love stories like Kennedy's. And and the journey's not over, but knowing that God will never, that God will never leave her, that God's always walking by her side is so, so important. Isn't it so cool to see this? You know, most of our our high school small groups uh, this year, we've recognized that this has been a growing problem uh, for our students. And so most of our small groups here have made a point uh, to take what we've called a mental health moment, or you can call it whatever you want, but basically just spending at least five minutes, five simple minutes, uh, just sitting in silence with your group and together, I mean, it might be awkward, it might be weird, but together, choosing to practice surrendering your loneliness, your fear, your anxiousness to Jesus. 
And then they'd come back and they'd talk about it. Some of them did this. And, and one of the questions our leaders would ask was on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your anxiety? Or you can replace that with loneliness or fear, whatever it was for you. And man, it's been so incredible to just look back and see how helpful it is to just spend this intentional time and to just ask simple questions. Our students needed that reminder that God never leaves you. And maybe that's something that you can incorporate every day. Or maybe that's something you can encourage a friend to incorporate. Or maybe that's something your small group can do together. We need to know that God never leaves us. Because I know it's not that easy, but we need to sit in surrender and recognize that he's with us. We have a God that never leaves us that we can't escape. In fact, just to close, I'd love to read out of Psalm 139. David is writing this and he's in a dark and lonely cave being chased down by a madman, murderer of a king. Talk about loneliness, talk about fear, talk about anxiety. And here's what David says. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light to become night, but even in darkness, I can't hide from you. And, and, and David is saying, listen, I can't go anywhere to escape you. You're walking with me. And as we look back on this year, and maybe you haven't felt community like you used to, but can I just remind you that God has never been closer? Maybe this year you lost someone that you loved. And can I just take a second to say, man, I'm so sorry, but also remind you that we have a God that cares so much about our pain and sorrow that he was willing to come and experience it himself in the person of Jesus. And the way we know that God's walking with us is that he experienced the very same thing you are. Read through the gospels. We see Jesus face grief and anxiety. We see see him face intense pain. And then we see him go to the cross and we see him go to the cross so that we might have eternity with him that he says that one day he will wipe away every tear. And we have hope because God never leaves us. Guys, 2020 has definitely not been the year that we expected but God has always been the God we can trust. We need to remember that God's always in control. God's ways are always better and he never leaves us alone. I'd love to just invite Shane to come help us see what we can do going forward. Amen. Thanks, brother. Man, listen, I just wanna say to you guys that are uh, paying attention to this this morning, if you want to make a great decision for this coming year, uh, get yourself involved with Colin and high school ministry at church because uh, this guy is a man of God. And there are people that come all the time and say, man, I want my life to change. I want, um, I want to see God do something exceptional or I feel called to ministry. You want to get started and you want to see your life change. Get under the mentoring of a guy like that and start investing in uh, high school students. Man, uh, your life will change. It'll be awesome. By the way, that's, that's the greatest ministry of my life has been to high school students. So uh, they're awesome. So I just encourage you to connect with him. Now, listen, all of these truths that he just spoke to us, God is in control. God's ways are better than my ways. He's never left us alone. You need to understand from the Old Testament that these affirmations weren't true because the life of the Israelites were easy. (laughs) Sometimes We think God's blessing is related to bounty and having money and 
the good things of life. In fact, we pray prayers at Thanksgiving. God, thank you for your blessing. And we usually think about the good things. In reality, the people of Israel suffered far more than you and I have ever suffered. And yet, in the midst of suffering, God speaks these truths and he says, don't forget how blessed you are. And I just say to you, it may have been a year of suffering, but it's a disposition you choose to say, God, thank you for your blessing. You think, who were the most blessed people that ever lived? They were the people of Israel. What people has suffered more than any other people in history? It's the people of Israel. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. God says, sometimes blessing comes through scourging and trial and difficulty because God says, I'm trying to build something into you that you're supposed to be. Now, I want us to look forward at 2021 and how is God going to make the difference in your life? And what I want to do is give you some practical steps that will never let you down. They never will. And if you commit to do the things that we're going to talk about, you will see your life changed. You will see an increasing glory that comes only from Him as you just commit these things to Him. So let me give you these. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, here's what you need to do. You need to commit to daily seeking God's face. Commit to daily Seeking the face of God. I want to read to you a scripture. Because this scripture is the key to understanding what we mean. And it's right smack dab in the middle of Jesus' final words to his disciples. And he's trying to teach you of how you live a fruitful life change. Uh, how you live in a blessed kind of way. Look at what he says. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, what is Jesus talking about to those that would follow him? What is he saying here? He's saying, in me, you and I have the potential for incredible life change. We have the potential from our lives to produce the right kind of stuff that we're supposed to. But he's saying, be warned, you can't do it without me. He says, you've got to stay close to me. You've got to stay close to Jesus. People ask, how do I fix my marriage? It's a good question. <laughs> People ask, how do I get more self-controlled? How do I get over my anger? How do I learn how to forgive? Those are great questions. Listen, there have never been more relevant questions for our society. There have never been more relevant questions for your family. There's never been more relevant questions for our city and for our country. But Jesus looks at the world and he says, here's the secret. He says, here's the secret ingredient. Here's the secret sauce. He says, I'm the key to real life change. You're not going to find it by reading a good book. You're not going to find it by, you know, um, 
reading some life-changing habits that comes from a secular author in your common bookstore, Jesus says the secret to life change is that you stay close to me. You know, you look at Galatians chapter 5 and it talks about, for example, all the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, you'll see it coming up here on the screen. Notice it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and it's joy and peace and it's patience and kindness and goodness that your life would have faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of these things, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he's talking about the fruit of God that should manifest from your life. What's he talking about? How can a selfish person become more unselfish? How can a controlling person, a manipulative person, become a liberator? How can a cowardly person become courageous? Jesus is saying ultimately, the fruit of my spirit is that you remain close to me. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the key to all the answers you've been looking for. And guys, you've got to get that for this, this year. That the secret to understanding life change is walking in close relationship with the Lord daily. How can a whiner become a giver? How can a worrier become a rock? How can a bigot learn to have understanding? Listen, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, I am the only cosmic, concrete reality that will change your life. Jesus says, I am the logos of life. Logos, meaning I am the rationale of all existence. And if you learn to walk closely with me, change will happen over time, but you've got to walk with him. Now, this is why throughout the last few weeks, as we've been coming up on um, a new year, we've been encouraging you to spend daily time with Jesus in his word. In fact, we've been talking about Bible reading plans, various sorts. In fact, take a look at these coming up. These are three different plans that North Point offers to help you begin to get into God's word. Now, friends, let me say this to you. The same God that spoke the world into existence, that spoke the universe into existence because his words have power. Your words don't have power. My words don't have power, but his words have power. And in his sovereignty, he allowed and commissioned his words to actually be written down on paper so that you and I can read his words. And it's these words that have power. And the same words that spoke the universe into existence can certainly speak change into your life if you will meditate on them. If you will dwell on them, if you will read them daily, what you will be experiencing is a connection to God because his words have power. Connected to God, remain in me. Or, or we've talked about a Bible reading plan through what we call a prayer journal that we're providing to you. In fact, the last couple of weeks, we've had these prayer journals on sale. And these are 10 bucks. We're picking up the freight for shipping. But what they will allow you to do is spend time daily in God's word, write out some prayers to the Lord. It's got a Bible reading plan connected to it that if you follow this Bible reading plan and you sit at the feet of Jesus, allowing his words to change your life, you're going to you follow this plan. You're going to get through the whole Bible in a year. You'll read through the New Testament twice. You'll read through Psalms and Proverbs twice. Now, people often ask, how do I get to know God's word? This is the way. 
You just spend time reading four chapters a day of God's word and you will get to know God. We're encouraging, of course, time with prayer. We've been talking about Tuesday early morning prayer and prayer days where you can begin to seek God. Maybe you can't make all the prayer meetings that we talk about. I'd encourage you to to at least join our prayer force. In fact, you'll notice that we've made accessible to you this little card that talks about the North Point Prayer Force that gives you specific things to be praying on every day. You'll notice, pray for non-believers that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Pray for weary believers that they would be strengthened, those that are struggling. Pray for hurting believers that God would heal their wounds. Pray for authentic worship to happen in the lives of people. Pray for revival. Pray for spiritual steps of commitment to be taken by people that have never taken these steps before. And pray for grateful offerings that people would give freely knowing that it's God that's given them everything they need. Now, we ask you to join our prayer force and we've given you specific prayer needs because there's something that happens when you daily sit at the feet of Jesus in prayer and worship and getting into his word, you'll begin to see your life change. Now, this will lead to the second step that will change your life if you begin to do it this year. Make this commitment. Write this down, number two. That you make a commitment to active and increasing obedience in your life. That's number two. That you're going to commit this year as you're preparing for just a different 2021 than 20 was. You're going to commit to increasing an act of obedience. Why? Because God's ways are better than your ways. <laughs> because you're actively saying, Jesus, I trust you more than I trust me. Jesus, I trust your judgment more than I trust my judgment. You know, there's a great passage of scripture that sets an example from the Old Testament that I'll just read to you. It talks about where the prophet of God, Samuel, comes to King Saul, who was the first king of Israel and was supposed to be devoted to God. But the prophet confronts him about some things in his life. And I want you to see what happened here. Notice, it says, Saul greeted the prophet cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. And then look what Saul says. Saul says, I have carried out the Lord's command. Then the prophet said, well... Then what's all this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle, Samuel says. Well, Samuel looks at what's happening because it ought not to be happening. And he says, well, it is true that my army spared the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. It's going to happen. We've destroyed everything else. Now, just look at me for just a moment. What you're seeing is a narrative because God had spoken to Saul very directly and said, Saul, when you take the land, you're to destroy everything. Leave nothing. And so the prophet who speaks the words of God now sees that Saul has not destroyed everything. And you can see Saul stepping back because he's being questioned. Well, I, 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 I am going to do it or, or I have done it. And look what the prophet speaking the words of God says to Saul. He says, stop, listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did the Lord tell you, Saul asked? And Samuel told him, the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they're all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? 
Now look at, look at Saul here. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, yes, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops did bring in the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen to me and listen, friends. Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now look at me for just a minute. What's happening here? The prophet looks at Saul and says, Saul, don't you see? Don't you see that for all of your worship, for all of your singing, for all of your sacrifices, for all that you're saying that you're doing, they're meaningless because you've not trusted me and you've not been obedient to do the thing that I've said you are to do. And what does that demonstrate? It demonstrates a lack of trust. It demonstrates a lack of ability to say, God, I trust your judgment above my judgment. Notice how he rationalized. Oh, but, but God, we, we destroyed the worst. We kept the best. Oh, but God, it doesn't make sense that we would, it doesn't make sense that we destroy the good stuff. We've saved them to actually be sacrificed to you. God says, you're in rebellion. And rebellion is as witchcraft. Don't you see what's happening here? He's saying, Saul, you're a fool because Saul, don't you see, by keeping back the very best of the cattle, by keeping back the very best of the sheep, you've actually kept back yourself. You've actually kept back your heart. And he says, Saul, because you've kept yourself back, you can have no part of me. Friend, are you walking in increasing obedience to God? Are you walking in an increasing obedience to say, God, I'm going to do it your way? Now, there's all sorts of excuses. There's all sorts of rationalizing. Well, God, I just don't think I should. Or, or God, it's going to be hard to do this. Or, or God, it doesn't make sense to me that I do it this way. And God looks at you and says, stop walking in disobedience and trust me. You want to be blessed you want to see your life change, then stop giving me a halfway obedience. Stop being obedient to what I've called you to do. Start doing that. That's what God's called you to. That's what God's called me to. <laughs> I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk in increasing obedience. I'm going to sit at, in his presence and gaze at him and spend time with the Lord daily, hearing because his ways are better than mine. I trust him. And then that should lead to the third thing that I'd like for you to commit to do this year if you just write this down and then we'll be done. Write this down. I'm going to speak regularly of the goodness of God. I will speak of his goodness in 21. Why? Because he's never left me alone. Because his ways are better than my ways. <laughs> Guys, there has been a whole lot of complaining this year by a whole lot of Christians. And frankly, it's embarrassing. <laughs> 
It's embarrassing that those who should be speaking of the goodness and wonder of God have wasted their breath on complaining about people and circumstances. Praise should be on our lips because we know who's in control. Look what, look what Jesus says. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, he says, what you say, the words you speak, flow from what's in your heart. Friends, what's in your heart? Some people say, I don't even know what's in my heart. I'm going to tell you, look at what's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> look what's coming out of your fingertips on social media. That's what's in your heart. That's what has your heart. And I'm just going to ask you, does Jesus have your heart? Because it says what flows from this, it's going to come out of here. And see, if Jesus has your heart, there's going to be an organic, it's what I call an organic enthusiasm. Now, we're going to talk about this in February. In fact, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Kyle are going to be leading us through a two-part message that we're calling overflow. That, that there is something that should spring out of the life of a believer. In fact, in 1 Peter 1.8, Peter writes to the church and he says something. Notice this. This is not in your notes, but it's on the screen here. Look what it says. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, it says, you believe in him. And notice it says, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious kind of joy. Now, here's what's fascinating. Here is Peter. And he's writing to an entire church congregation. And he confidently assumes that everyone has this within them this inexpressible, glorious joy. He believes it's right to assume that the entire church should be totally enamored, should be totally in love with Jesus. He says, I know your condition. Why? He says, because I know you're a believer. And if you're a believer, this is what should be operating in your life. Now, I'm just going to ask you, is it? Is this operating in your life? Are you enamored with the Lord that you want to sit at his feet? Are you so gripped by Jesus that you're excited about getting up in the morning and giving him the first part of your day and calling on God and saying, God, make me the man you've called me to be. God, make me the woman you've called me to be. God, make me the son or daughter that you've called me to be. The friend, I hope so. You know, I talked to you about what's happening in February. In January, we're going to kick off a series around here. It was mentioned that we're calling The Real Deal. And it's going to be all about how you as a Christian, how you practice faith in a cynical world. I encourage you to get ready for that. That begins next week. And we're going to really be talking about what it means to be the people of God. And guys, I'm going to say to you now, this is going to be a very challenging series that we're going to be focused on. Because this series is going to be, how do you really know that you're an authentic born-again believer. It affects how you act. It affects how you live in your family. It affects how you live politically and publicly. It affects how you live in friendships. It affects how you spend time with God. It affects everything. You know, I, I read to you just a couple of weeks ago, one of my heroes, Jonathan Edwards, I've spoken about him. He was a congregational minister in New England about 200 years ago. Listen to this little note, and I'll close with this. He wrote this from his prayer diary. He said, once as I rode out into the woods for my health, <laughs> I find it interesting. They worshiped regularly outdoors in this day. 
Now, we're, we're complaining about doing it, but, but they connected with God outside. 1737, he said, I rode out into the woods for my health. I had a view that was for me extraordinary. He says, the inward eyes of my heart were opened and I saw the glory of the Son of God and his wonderful, great, pure and sweet grace and love. Now he says this, listen to this, it's awesome. He says, the person of Christ appeared ineffably excellent with an excellency great enough to swallow up all thought and conception, which continued as near as I could judge as the condition of me for about an hour, which kept me the greater part of time in a flood of tears, he says, and I was weeping out aloud before God. He says, he writes, I felt an ardency of soul to be so full of Christ alone, to love him with a holy and pure love, to trust in him, to live upon him, to serve him. Two, he says, gaze at his face. <laughs> Do you want to walk in radical obedience to God like never before? Do you want to know that your life counts like never before? Do you want to experience life change to speak of his wonder? Well, do you? Have you? Friends, 21 could be absolutely amazing if you begin to pray on that this week. If you commit yourself to Jesus to remember what we've learned and to say, here's what I'm going to commit to going forward, that you begin to determine, to resolve that it doesn't matter how I feel, I am committed to Jesus Christ alone. And this year, my life is going to change. I pray you do that. I pray that I do that. Let's do it together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for your hand that's on each one. I pray, God, that you would minister to each person so greatly and that they would know how awesome you are, that you would become the most important thing in our life, that our affection would be stirred toward you, that we would love you, God. We do love you so much. Jesus, we worship you in this place, at home, where we are, in front of our family, teaching our family that you are awesome and worthy of our enthusiasm. God, we give you our heart. We give you our life. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.